0: Saturday when it was like Z would go yeah, and then, then Z answered and Z would go so it was like, like one and two you want to just try that real quick before we leave it oh yeah. the overwhelming never ending here's the outro What a what a great summer it's been, um, and I want to say what a great time it's been in the Gospel of Mark, walking through the life and the teaching of Jesus um, as we've been doing that together this summer. It's been great. Uh, hopefully you've been blessed because I certainly have. I feel like I get to sit under God's word every week, and then I get to come here, and then we get to sit under it together. So as we prepare our hearts. For that, maybe that could be a good uh, picture in your mind of all of the things that uh, maybe the Lord would have for us. We think of words like submission and his authority. But if we could just prepare our hearts and our minds to sit under the teaching of Jesus today, uh, we will all be better for it. Don't you think? So let me pray and ask for a blessing on this, uh, on the teaching. Lord, we thank you for this morning. What a beautiful Time of worship, I was. um, Your love for us is just ridiculous. You can't explain it. Um, But man, how awesome it is to experience it. So we thank you for the way in which you love us, that you would give your son, that we could experience. Uh, not just uh, information about God in heaven, but that we could ha- walk with you hand in hand. That we could be, you would call us your friends. Not just your uh, your mercy cases, your charity work, but that you would call us your friends. That blows me away every every time I think about it. Lord, we open your word right now because we know that it is the giver of life and that it lights our path and gives us wisdom and helps us to grow. All the things that we need, you contain, Lord, and by your Holy Spirit and through your word, you want to share some truth with us this morning. So we just say, let it be, and may we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, uh, the book of Mark. Chapter 13 is where we're going to be this morning. I just want to get right into it. We're finishing up a teaching uh, from Jesus called the Olivet Discourse. It's a teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples on the Mount of Olives looking across at the temple, and he was speaking of some things that were going to happen uh, regarding Jerusalem, and then we're looking at even regarding the kingdom of God and the end times. So picking up in verse 24 of Mark chapter 13, it says this. But in those days, after that tribulation, this is what we were talking about last week. By the way, all of our messages, uh, if you want to go back and listen to something or something really spoke to you and you want to share it, they're all available on our website or on the app or, or uh, any place where you get Um, podcasts they're available Um, not a plug just to be able to go back and listen but in those days verse 24 after that tribulation the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from even the ends of the, from the ends of the earth, to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus is speaking to four people that we know of by name because it says these four guys came up and they they got Jesus and they said they asked him a question or they made a statement Jesus look at the temple isn't it beautiful so we know that Jesus is talking to four individuals specifically now there are others around, as there, there always were other people around when Jesus was speaking. So he was speaking to a wider context. Now, Jesus is God. Amen? Okay, just checking. That's baseline. Jesus, being God, says things about himself. One is this, I am the beginning, and I am The end. He is the creator. He is the sustainer, the glue, the one that holds it all together. And then he sees all things in their finished form already. So you can try to break all that down in your brain. You're just, your head will pop. Trying to um, wrap your head around the magnitude, the authority, the power of God Almighty. But he created all things. He holds it all together, and he already sees the finished product, even though it will never end, but eternity will go on forever. He is outside of time. So he's speaking to a group of people, but he's also speaking to us who are alive thousands of years after this. This applies to us as well. We were talking last week where it's like, well, was he talking to them specifically? Was he talking, what, what part of this teaching is for them then? And is there a part for us now? Is it all for them? Is it all for us? Then you start to piece together the, your view on how the world is going to end. when you see texts like this, that says, the stars, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. In those days after that tribulation, last week, this was the tribulation that was talked about. For in those days, verse 19, just back up just a little bit. There will be such a tribulation that has not been from the beginning of, to, of creation that God created until now and never will be. be there will be a time that's going to be cray. It says that. It translates to cray. And if the Lord, verse 20, and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. There is a time coming. I believe a future time coming. The tribulation will be different than what jesus said when he says in this world you will face tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world hardships are part of life on earth and jesus says i am greater than the hardships." but there are hardships coming remember what i said about the puzzle and the pieces and we're trying to pick up all these pieces scattered throughout scripture and as we put them together we're trying to figure out As a whole, what the Bible says about God's creating everything, sustaining everything, and then how everything is going to come to an end. We try to put all these pieces together. But if we're putting these pieces together and they make any other picture other than the person and work of Jesus, we're putting them together wrong. But we're putting all of these things together. And it says that there is a time, I believe, future, that it will be different. Because it won't be Troubles from, that we bring upon ourselves that uh, are temptations, but literally there will be a time when God takes his presence, takes his restraining presence from evil, um, kind of takes his hand off for, for a moment. And evil abounds like, like no other time. And it says that if the world were to continue that way, no one will tear ourselves apart as people. Now, in your mind's eye, could you see people in the hatred of this world being so bad that people could literally destroy each other? Yeah. Every other TV show that we binge watch is about that very thing. Well, sucks to be you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I didn't know how to respond. Good for you. But just the way the, the hatred in the world, we tear each other apart. And there's a time coming where we, unless God makes it, says there's only going to be so many of these days because it'll be so rough. I believe there will be a future generation that sees all of this, what he's talking about, come to fruition. Now, there would be some who says all of this stuff has come to fruition, and a lot of it has. The, The stuff we've been studying the past couple weeks, a lot of that stuff happened in 70 AD when Rome conquered and tore the temple down when Jesus says not one stone will be left on, on top of another a lot of this stuff happened but this what he is talking about here and what it's talking about in other places in the Old Testament like Joel where it talks about the black sky and the smoke and like the gnarliness that is going to come and then he says right here verse 30 Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. Now, a lot of people want to talk about what that means. What does that this generation mean? Was he talking to those four people as he's sitting there and be like, I tell you, I, I'm gonna tell you guys, this gen he could have been like, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Well, if that was what Jesus was talking about, then those people would have needed to see all of this stuff happen. Now, they saw the temple torn down. Um, They saw a lot of persecution. The Nero, the, the Caesar that was coming, Caesar Nero, was super gnarly. The persecution that swept across the church was really bad. People were crucified. They were killed. They were beheaded. It was, it was hard times for the church in the first century. But I don't think that it was what is being talked about here. My personal belief is, and I'll just share it with you, is that there is a future time coming that will be a singular generation that will, he says, when you see this, this is, will be right on its heels. And when you see this, this will be right on. There is something coming that is just going to be like, and I believe that he's speaking to a generation of people that will see those things. I also believe because it says that God will remove his restraint of evil, there is a, a key piece to this puzzle in in the the book of Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, that talks about the day of the Lord. Paul's talking about these very same things, and he's like, I tell you, the, the day of the Lord won't happen until the evil one is revealed. We talked about him last week. Um, the great rebellion happens, and uh, the one who is now restraining evil is taken out of the way. What is what holds evil back from this world is God himself, the Holy Spirit of God. Where is the biggest presence of the Holy Spirit of God on earth? The church. There will be a time coming, I believe, where the church is God's restraining power on evil is taken out of the way and people will, uh, will wreck themselves. Not everybody thinks that, and that's okay. That's why it hasn't been my focus of teaching when talking about the Olivet Discourse. What is important is that we know this. This world, without the presence and intervention of God, is a dark place. It's a dark place. And for you personally, depending on your amount of years walking with Jesus, your biblical knowledge, because it's it's we're all over the place. Some of us have been studying the Bible, some of us meaning all of us, some of you have been studying the Bible for longer than I've been alive. And as I'm t- saying stuff up here, you might actually be like, oh, you know, I wonder about the rapture. I wonder about the tribulation in this context. I wonder about some of these things. And I just want to say to you, that's okay. It's okay if you draw different conclusions about certain things, as long as the conclusions that we're drawing is that Jesus has all things factored in, and the world without him is a dark place. Because Jesus is going to end his teaching right here the way we are going to end our morning talking about and he ends his teaching not with any speculation okay he didn't say now figure it out for yourself and whoever puts the pieces together best or has the best denominational bylaws and different beliefs about the end times they win and everybody and they get to teach everybody when when it says nobody knows we talked about that But those people who put it together, they win and they get gold stars in heaven and everyone else gets silver stars. The only difference in heaven between gold stars and silver stars is if your eschatology is perfect. He doesn't end with any speculation. He ends his teaching with a specific instruction. Look at verse 32. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Let me say this really quick, because there can be confusion around this verse. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the Son. Isn't Jesus God? Yes. How does he not know the hour? Great question. I'll ask it for you. When Jesus came to earth in physical You know, when you read the Gospels and it says he was fully God and fully man, the son of God, the son of man. There were things that Jesus of his own accord laid down, took off, you could say. um, Not took off, let's say put on a cloak of human over all that is God and willingly laid down certain things that he would be subservient so he could say he totally identified with us. Things like, I don't know when that will be, but I trust the Father anyways. So when he was saying, and Jesus in his humanity laid down a time frame that he had to know, but just placed and says, not my will, but your will be done, Father. That we could look to Jesus and say, what an example. I choose to do the same because Jesus did it first. But he says, no no one, not the angels, nor the son, but only the father. And then he says this, verse 33, be on guard. Any Bible highlighter people up in here? Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his own work. And commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Verse 35. Therefore stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. Lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you I say to all. Stay awake. What an odd way to end a teaching about how the world is going to end and all of its complexities, he zooms it right in and tells us that we may not know the exact time of Jesus' return, but we are to know without a doubt how we are to live until he does. That shows his priority for us, and I believe that that shows how we should have uh, priority for ourselves and the, our church in context. In my mind, it sounds good this way. We are to not push for position. We are not pushing for a position, but a lifestyle. We are not pushing on, this is how you should think about the end times. This is how this should be. This is how that should be. But this is how I should be. This is how I should be. This is the words Jesus used to his disciples. Be on guard, keep awake, and stay awake. Other places in the New Testament, if you, if you were to keep those terms fresh in your brain, and then you read other books of the New Testament where, so Peter was one of the guys standing here when Jesus was talking. He writes later on these two letters. Interestingly enough, they're called First and Second Peter. So if you're reading later and be like, what did Peter, what did he say? You can find it in First and Second Peter. And he says in there that he reminds, um, that his job is to remind people, stay awake. Paul, who uh, was one of the apostles who took the message of Jesus' resurrection out into the world, and planted a bunch of churches this is what he says when talking about these things encourage one another stir each other up and then we're told in other places to take heart don't be, don't be overcome um, by evil but overcome evil with good so encourage one another remind each other take heart whether Jesus is speaking about it or the Uh, the other men are speaking about it in the letters that they wrote, there's there's always a readiness that is being talked about. And not just a readiness, but a partnership. It's like when you want to go into the game and you are ready on the sideline, ready for your number to be, there's a partnership. We're in this thing together. I believe that he says three things to them in here. So I want to talk about three things that Jesus says to wake up to if you've fallen asleep. And if you haven't, then these are great reminders because I want to say you need to stay awake. And I don't just want to say it, Jesus wanted to say it, and he ended his whole uh, discussion. And he says, What I say to you, I say to everybody stay awake. Here are the three things. The first one is this. God has left his house in our hands. I just want to let that sink in for a minute. Jesus left his house in our hands. I just imagine, I I saw a movie recently, and this guy says to this, this mom, they were fighting, and he says, "How could you have left your kid with a complete stranger?" And she says, "I didn't leave him with the stranger; I left him with you." And it was this moment, and they fell in love. And, anyways, but I think about it's like, Lord, how could you leave the world in incapable hands? It's like maybe Jesus would say, "I didn't leave the world in incapable hands." I left it in your hands. Now, that's a heavy statement, heavy responsibility. But it is not our hands that carry the load. It is the strength and the working and the power of the Holy Spirit in you and through you that is pushing this thing forward. This is God's house. Do you know that? The Bridge Bellingham. This is our church. You can say, hey, my church, come to church with me. I love my church, all that stuff. Great. But this is God's house, the house of the Lord. If this is God's house, and if God were truly here, how would he host people on a Sunday morning? Which I'm like, is this place inviting? Jesus was the best host. People rolled deep with Jesus. They liked being in his company. Regardless if they believed the things he believed, there was something about the way Jesus was that attracted people. The house of God should be an inviting place to the hurting, to the broken, to the destitute. Jesus said to the unimportant people. Listen to what Jesus said about unimportant people in the culture of his time, Jesus said, "Of the ones that the that the culture said, eh, they're not important. They're just in the way. They're they're noise." This is what Jesus said. No, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. Which was radical. Like Jesus cares about kid the kids of the day. They had no. They they contributed nothing to the greater good of the society. They just played. They were just into their own thing and Jesus said, no, 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 you let them come to me. And then he goes one step further and he goes, for such is the kingdom of heaven. We are all children and Jesus loves all people. So we say around here that we are to be a gathering place. It's what Jesus' mission, that's what he wanted to do. If Jesus would hear, he would be about gathering people. So when I think about, we think about our our church, God's house. The way Jesus, you know, there's there's this illustration over and over in the Bible about a feast, a wedding feast, sitting around a table. Let, let's think about it like this: the church should be more of a dining room than a classroom. See, in a classroom, you sit and there's one um, expert. And they're just teaching. But in a dining room, you sit around the table. And there's a meal and we all partake. And someone sits at the head of the table, the seat of honor. And that is Jesus. And he gives the parable. Does like, hey, I'm having a party. Did you send out the invites? Any RSVPs yet? No RSVPs yet, Jesus, for the, for the wedding party. And finally, he says, well, I want you guys to go out to the highways, to the byways, to the alleyways, go to the bars, go to the prisons. You invite everybody. And whoever responds, they come. Jesus is hospitable. Do you see the picture that is painted over and over and over? God loves people. That's why when he says to us, Go. this is how he'll end the book of Mark go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone if we get so caught up in how we put our end time stuff together that we forget that Jesus is actually good news for the world I think we need to be reminded and recalibrate the second thing he reminds us of, or he says to us that we need to wake up to or be reminded of, is that not only has he left his house in our hands, but God has given us his authority. Coming up, a few, let's see, about 30, 50, like almost two months after this, after this teaching right here on this mountaintop looking at Jerusalem, about two months later, we're going to call it 50 some odd days because Jesus dies on the cross. He is buried in the tomb. He rises. The women come to the tomb. The rock is gone and Jesus isn't there. And then he meets Mary and then for 50 days he was walking and doing ministry and being with people and eating and, and, and hanging out and reminding them of all things concerning himself. And then in Acts chapter 1, it says, when they had come together, they asked him again, again. Right after the stuff we're reading here, no one knows the time or the day, only the Father. But in Acts, 50 days later, month to almost two months later, they said, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Can it be the end now? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. The father is fixed by by his own authority. But then here's what he says he wants them to pay attention to. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. He will give you authority. And you are to be witnesses where, in their closest context, Jerusalem, It's where they lived. That was their hometown. Judea, that was, they would have to go out. They would have to be mission focused to go to Judea. Samaria It's where the enemy lived. They would need to go into enemy territory, not with weapons, but with good news. And then they were to go to the ends of the earth. Not only did he say, I want you to be hospitable, but he says, I'm giving you my authority. You will receive power and authority, not when you put all the pieces together correctly on how the world's going to end, but when the Holy Spirit fills your life to the point of overflow to others. We are ambassadors of a kingdom. It's not a political kingdom. It's God's heavenly kingdom, a kingdom that is here now. The kingdom of God is here. When Jesus came, he preached about the kingdom being here. And the kingdom of God is here. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is alive and well in you. If you are living in submission to God's rule in your own life, the kingdom is here now. And is available for all people. It is not yet all the way here because there are a few things that are, the Bible talked about that have not yet happened. It is the kingdom that is all the way here and yet not fully here. And with this kingdom, there comes an authority. This kingdom is not against flesh and blood, but against darkness. You have authority over darkness. We are all learning about this kingdom, and we will continue to learn every day we are alive until we go to heaven and we no longer see things partially, but we see things clearly. We all came from somewhere before we met Jesus. Those of us that walk with Jesus, we all came from somewhere, meaning we were all born. We all grew up with a certain set of circumstances maybe a certain home life, a certain geographical location. We all came from somewhere, we are, and we are all being led somewhere by Jesus. No matter how long we've been walking with him, no matter where we're from, no matter what type of raising we had, upbringing we had, we all see through a glass dimly. And we're supposed to. So if we bring that into our context, we are a gathering place. We are a growing place. We are a place comprised of people that don't yet have it together, all the way together, but are being transformed into the image of God day after day. What are the marks of a growing place? What are the marks of a good church That is being awake with what Jesus is talking about here. Well, is it a place where people are becoming more like Jesus? Now, here's the deal. People, you can say, I'm becoming more like Jesus, and it can be painted in an off light. And Jesus says, beware. There are some some that will say, we're becoming more like Jesus, and actually they won't be. So we want to be a place that bows before the word of God that takes in the truth of God along with the grace of God. For Jesus is the perfect balance of grace and truth. He'll never lie to you, and he will never condemn you. For he did not come into this world to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation. So is it a place where we are becoming more like Jesus because we're supposed to? And not only are we supposed to become more like Jesus, we're supposed to help others as well. I love this. Speaking of Peter, I want to read this verse to you guys. And it would be so worth going and reading this whole chapter. Second Peter chapter 3. Peter's talking a lot of the same stuff, and he gets to the end, and he says this. There, you, therefore, beloved, knowing all of this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away. With the air of lawless people and lose your own stability. Then there's this focus. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We are a growing place. We have so I think about people in this room. And if we're honest, we say stuff like, I have so far to go. I thought I was past this temptation by now. I thought I was past this pattern of thinking by now. I thought I was past this. And so we can think, I have so far to go. But we have to sometimes look back and be like, look how far I've come. We need to be reminded, look at what God has done. I am here now. But look at what he is doing. I am being transformed. I am growing. I don't have it all together. The moment you think you have it all together, the Bible says, "Uh ah, be careful because pride comes before the fall. Take heed lest you think too highly of yourself, lest you fall. Anyone ever thought too highly of themselves? The next thing you know, you wake up and you're like, You're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. We are a growing place. It's, this is a safe place for you to grow. But, not but, this is a safe place for you to grow, period. This is a good place to keep growing as well. Last but not least, God has given us God has left his house in our hands. Check out these verses so you know where these points are coming from. For you do not know, verse 33, be on your guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Check this out. It is like a man going on a journey. Jesus, man going on a journey. When he leaves his home, And puts his servants in charge. The Lord has, he ascended. He said, I will send the one who will give you power and direction, will fill you up, will be light to your path, will give you direction. I'm gonna put you guys in charge. You know what you're supposed to do. Lord, what about this? You know what you're supposed to do. Focus here. Not only am I going to put you, has he put us in charge, he has given us his authority. We speak on behalf of the king of the universe. My dad is bigger than yours. (laughs) To the max. And then last but not least... He has given us each work to do, each one of us. And he put his servants in charge, comma, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. I love that verse. It's just a little half a verse separated by two commas. He left us in charge, comma, each one with their own specific unique work comma and then he finishes the sentence it's hard for any one person to escape that little half a sentence you can't do it because it's all encompassing my house is in your hands i've given you everything you need to do what i've asked you to do and i'm asking you to get engaged to get involved all throughout the Bible, we are compared to where He says the temple. That temple will be torn down. Not one rock will be living. Uh, not one rock will be left standing upon another. He says, "But I am building another temple, where My holy presence, where His holy presence, will never leave." And it's not built with stones, rocks. Twelve by some of those stones were forty feet long by 10 feet tall, by 12 feet wide. They still don't know how they lifted them and put them in place, let alone how they got them way up on top of this hill from the quarry to the, to the, they were magnificent. They were magnificent. And he was like, those are nothing compared to the temple that I am building. And you keep reading in the Bible, you know what the temple looks like? Five foot 10, bald, lots of gray, not as thick of, Muscles as I want, but I flex hard in the mirror. You know, it, it, that's what that's the, the Bible says. You are the temple of of God, oh, wow. living stones being built and stacked one upon another. There is something that is happening in the household of God, in the people of God that can't be torn down. It can't be taken out of the way unless God wants it to. It can't be stopped. But we can sabotage ourselves. I love this one song that says The only way that I will lose is if I quit. The only way that we can not accomplish what God wants us for us to do is if we forget and we fall asleep and we make it about a building and not a people, because we are the temple. Living. Stones being built. And the other thing we are called living stones, we're also called this a body. The body of Christ. You ever heard that? Bodies have many parts. No one part can do its job without the other parts chipping in. You know, one of the best things that came out of the COVID era for the church, for this church in particular? is all of the things that are going to happen in this place in the future, I will be able to look back and attribute to what God did during COVID. I believe it changed the DNA of our church forever. Here's why. I call COVID um, core exercise. It was a core exercise for our church. It shook us to the core. In some ways, the core of our church was left, and it gave us a place to rebuild upon, like, the, like a remnant worth building around. You ever done a core workout? Oh, it's the worst. It just hurts. And no one ever sees it. Unless you go to the beach, and you're like ripping off your stuff, and you're like walking around. But the reality is no one ever sees a strong core. But you can't do these big movements out here without a strong core. You have to have a core that is strong enough to support the movements that happen, the ones that people do see. And I think I thank God because during COVID, we came together and were strengthened as a core. I believe it. But we are a body. And the body works together. He has given us work to do. You have a part to play. You have a part to play in the kingdom of God that is both fully here and yet not all the way here. You have a part to play and bring in bringing the good news to the world. You have a part to play in the culmination of all things. You know, I think one of the things that we as the church in in Bellingham need to watch out for most two things. The first one is apathy, where we just are like, eh, we don't care. Let them tear themselves apart. We'll be over here doing God's work, we'll be better than them. The Lumineers have this amazing lyric in one of their songs that says, the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. And I just think about it every time I listen to it. I'm like, you know, there's some truth to that. It's like, you just don't care. That is one of the things we need to watch out for. If you start to feel uh, this apathetic Like, it means that you don't care. You just don't care. You can't be bothered by it. It's not that you are, oh, I'm so, they make me, these people, they make me so mad. It's just like, whatever. If the church ever gets the whatever, whatever, that was good. If they ever get that whatever-ness, we are not doing what Jesus said to do. We've fallen asleep. We're not awake. The other one, we need to be very careful because we are being consumed by consumerism. I ordered a book on Thursday. I got a recommendation for a book this week, so good. I got it on Friday. I ordered it Thursday at like 10 at night. Not only did I get it on Friday, my watch, because I can't figure out how to sync my watch to certain thing to the app on my phone without getting notifications. This thing buzzes all the time. It's like, your Amazon uh, package has um, been um, gone. Like it's ordered. It's officially ordered now. Like you ordered online an hour later. It's officially ordered. Thank you for the reminder. It has shipped. And then on Friday, it's like, it's on a truck for delivery. I'm like, okay, for crying out loud, I don't care. And then it goes, Bzz, we will be at your house in 10 stops. Oh Bzzz, it has been delivered. And there was part of me that's like, that is cool. What else could I get? A book was 15 bucks, but I could order all sorts of stuff and it could be here tomorrow, and I could hear every step (laughs) along the way. We live in a world that has literally been constructed around what we can consume. From food to items. As a matter of fact, our next series... When we finish Mark and we're coming close to the end, I want to plug it for you guys now so you can start reading. The book of Ecclesiastes. Start reading it. And I'm going to give you the title of our next series. It's called this. The Most Important Things. We're going to talk about the most important things in life because this is what we are being groomed into we're being groomed into consumers our whole world is built around it and we have to tear it down but the only way to tear down consumerism is by contributing you want to know how deep the consumer culture has got into our world look how many people consume and then look how many people contribute the scales are off the best way to fight against consumerism is by contributing. We are a gathering place. We are a growing place. And we are a giving place. Maybe you could jot this down. When you think about what the mission of this church is, what we feel called to do, who we feel called to be. We are a people gathered around Jesus, growing in his love and fully engaged in his mission. Jesus has work to do. It is a good work. And he has handpicked you for such a time as this, to use your unique makeup to make a difference for his kingdom. You are a trophy. Did you know that? You're not something that God hides away. And be Like, oh, don't look at this one. Look at these ones over here, but this one here, and don't look at that one. That one's kind of, I made a mistake there. No, he says, he, the Bible says he only creates masterpieces. So when he looks at you, he says, this is what it looks like to be a Christian right here. This is what it looks like. This is what a marriage looks like. This is what it looks like to be a man of God. But wait, I went to jail four times as a kid. I stole things. I was mean and rude and Are you growing in the grace of God? Yes, he has forgiven me, and my life is different than you are a trophy. You are not who you once were. You are not who the world says you are. You are not how much money you have. You are not how many things you can buy. You are who God says you are, and he says that you are his son And And he says he wants to be your king, but you have to submit to his authority and live under his rule. And then he says what he has for you is seven times better than what you could ever have for yourself. And then he's asking you, would you believe that? Would you dare to believe that giving is better than getting? That being involved is better than um, having it all come to you? That's a step of faith. But it is one that is worth taking and it is one that Jesus says three times, wake up, stay awake, get engaged. So let's do it. Let's stay awake. I was reminded greatly this week. I wanted to share that reminder to you. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us. We love you, Father. Father. We thank you for this day and for your word. We thank you for this great discourse and teaching about things that are going to happen. And then we thank you that you tell us in the meantime. Get involved. There is a kingdom that you are building. We want that to be built in this place. We pray over this church, Lord. Would you protect this place? could this be a place of transformation in our city? Would it be a place that as the, the, the sign out front shines light out into the city, may it be a light of refuge and truth and transformation and, and good news for the brokenhearted, a place where people can learn, um, but may it be a dining room more than a classroom where people come and gather around and have a meal with you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our beautiful time of worship uh, before the teaching. We thank you for this song that that we're going to sing to you right now. Would you uh, Would you be blessed by it? So we love you, Lord. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.